Hi friends, welcome back to the Sailor's Daughter podcast where we navigate personal and professional resilience. Today I am speaking with Mike DiGiovanni. I met him via LinkedIn or connected with him via LinkedIn and he is an ultra marathon runner. Now I have a lot of respect for ultra marathon runners. The last time I tried running a big race it was a half marathon and it was just it was not a pretty (laughs) or it was not a pretty experience let me just put it like that we kind of uh me and mike discussed that a little bit during today's episode but i wanted him on to kind of speak uh from a resilience perspective um on fitness and how do why is fitness important why is activity uh, on a personal and societal level important? Um, and his story is very inspiring. And I hope that from today's episode, you're able to walk away with like a few practical things that you can try in your own life. Um, so without further ado, here we go. I'm ready for your questions. I read them and uh, I'm ready to go. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be speaking with you. And just to start, I'd love to hear more about um, who you are and how you uh, got to where you are today. Yeah, so uh, I am a, uh, my name is Mike. Um, Some people call me Mike D, some people call me DG. And uh, my online running profile is MDG Runner. I'm an ultra runner and uh, mindset and resilience advocate. Uh, aficionado. I, um, I've been in corporate America for almost 30 years now. Um, and I've had all kinds of struggles throughout my life with, uh, drugs and alcohol. And five years ago, I made the decision to get sober. And about four years ago, I was looking for something to help supplement that from a, just an overall daily practice perspective. And so I started running and that was about four and a half years ago. And lo and behold, here we are. I guess I would consider myself a runner. Um, I've run a handful of ultra marathons ranging in distances from 50K, 31 miles up to wow. uh, I've, I've done a actually my longest run to date was 71 miles. Oh, my and, goodness. <laughs> and I'm on my way to trying to continue to take that to the next level. Yeah. Wow. Those are uh, some very long, very long races. The last I, so like the only I've done five Ks, the last like longer race that I've done for me was a a half marathon. And you're going to laugh at this because I started off good with training and then kind of fell off halfway through, but showed up anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. and did not really stretch before. I just was kind of like, you know what, we're just going to go for it. And uh, my friends had to pick me up af- off the ground um, afterwards. So, yeah. But no. you finished. I finished. I think I was like 10th to last, but that's okay. I got the t-shirt. Yeah. So. <laughs> awesome. So, see, you learn you learned two things uh, of importance there, right? You learn the importance of daily consistent uh, practice towards your goal, um, but you also learn mindset and resilience, which I think uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today because you persevered and you pushed through even though it was very difficult. Yes, that's, that's very true. And also why I um, was looking forward to having you on here speaking about mindset and resilience, especially from like a fitness or health standpoint. Um, I feel like you can see from the questions I sent you, I feel like there's kind of trends now where it's a good thing. People are wanting to be more fit, more healthy. Um, but you can feel like a failure if you like miss one day or miss one week. Um, and so I would love to hear your thoughts on, why staying active and fitness are critical on both personal and societal levels and what your advice would be for finding a fitness routine and maintaining it. Um, sure. So I, that's a, there's a, a fair amount to unpack there, but so many of those are so near and dear to my heart. Um, so I, I start with like, let me, let me start with talking about like my, my recovery journey, yeah. because I think it, it does totally relate for me. Um, in the recovery world and the recovery journey, whether you take the AA path or a 12-step program or any other program, you know, generally speaking, right, that is something where most people who have defined themselves as, hey, I have a problem, I have, I have a substance abuse disorder, whatever you term it, um, is, is that it's an everyday thing, right? Every day you don't use. And I liken that very similar to any other journey. Um, and I just recently heard about a study that was done that says, 
it is much easier to do something consistently every day than to try to say, hey, I'm going to do it three days a week or mm -hmm. I'm going to do it five days a week because you kind of you eliminate the question of will I do it today? Well, of course, I'm going to do it today because I do it every week as opposed to, well, I only do it three days a week so I can skip today and go to tomorrow. Um, but sort of on that on that recovery journey of, of looking at it as this is who I am and this is what I do every day um, on the fitness end of things. Um, not everybody needs to work out every day or maybe wants to work out every day, but they do want to get more fit. But if you go back and even back to the to the the recovery journey, it's the stakes are very high. And in the sense of I think there's a there's a lot of people who fall off the wagon, if you've heard that term for lack of a better, and, and they struggle to get back on. And the guilt that you mentioned, in my opinion, is a big reason of why people don't get back on, particularly with alcohol recovery. If you slip up, and I have, I've had, I've had probably in my, in my, my life, I've been on a truly sober journey three times, uh, when I would call that for lengths of time beyond a year, where I've said, hey, I'm going to get sober, I'm going to stay sober. When you fall off that wagon, there is such guilt and shame that you have fallen off that wagon. It almost perpetuates the bad behavior. Like I'm, I'm not good enough. So I'll just keep going down this path of drinking. Same thing with fitness. Oh, I, I got derailed from my program. So I'm not good enough. I'm not committed enough. And we just, that negativity leads us down that path of continuing to not follow our goals and our dreams. So what I encourage people to say is like, look, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have off days. You're going to have days when you don't feel like working out. But don't go at it from the beginning with that mindset. Go at it from the beginning with a plan and with a strategy. And I would tell people is like for running, I, I, I'm not an everyday runner. Um, and there are some people that are. My running program has me running four days a week. Um, I say, though, is I try my darndest to run every scheduled day that I'm planned to run unless something drastic happens. And if something drastic happens, uh, something with the family or something, something emergency or sometimes I've had times where I'm just like my body has been training so hard that I need another day of recovery. I make it intentional. I'm intentionally understanding that I need to take this day off and then I'm going to get right back on it the next scheduled day that I have to get on. Now, with that said, some people have life happens, right? You know, and not everybody is on a sober journey. And some people are, whether it's go to the gym and you have a rough night, you slip, you hang out a little too late with your friends, you wake up late, you miss your gym time and you've got another appointment. Maybe it's you got to get to work because you got to work at a certain time and you tend to do, you know, my advice to you on that is to, to have some grace with yourself and say, look, I have a bigger, longer term plan. And one day to your point is not going to be the end of the world. But if I let that one day become two, now I'm starting to change the habit. I'm starting to change the pattern away from I'm the person that goes to the gym three or four days a week to I'm the person that skips the gym when I feel like not going to the gym. So it's that second day that is key for me is that if you miss a day for whatever reason, don't miss the next day. Convince yourself that you didn't miss that one day because you're a bad person. We just we're all human and and jump back on that as fast as you can and maintain that mindset that the long term vision is that you are that person who goes to the gym or you that person who runs and continue and don't let it become a habit of not going. Get right back on that habit of going. I really like that um, shift from like in perspective. I actually saw a post yesterday. I unfortunately don't remember the person's name, but they were telling a story about how when they were growing up, they were told that they were bad at writing and that they were like diagnosed with dyslexia. And so they grew up with that their whole life. And then they one day decided because they loved writing, even though it might have been more difficult for them. And they just said, well, I am a writer. I'm going to write every day. Um, and I that resonated with me because this year I wanted to get back into weightlifting. And that's like really nerve nerve wracking. And, you know, the second you lift a weight, you're a weightlifter, obviously not a professional one. But <laughs> I like that um, that shift in perspective because it takes the intimidation out of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would challenge you to say, like, I, I loved your analogy of like, hey, you, you lifted a weight, you are a weightlifter. Now let's let's not feel we have to caveat that. 
in terms of, you know, I'm a professional or I'm a this or I'm a that. Yeah. And I'll share this from my story is so I, um, it took me, I think I ran my first ultra marathon. It was a 50 K in the mountains of, of Southern California here in, it was December of 2022, I think. So I, I literally just about, no, 21. Um, so it was about two years ago that I ran my false, first ultra marathon. So it took me two years to get to that place. And I had this sort of imposter syndrome type thing where I kept saying to myself, am I a runner? And then it was, am I an ultra runner? You know, I, I want to do this. And so I think by putting those caveats to things, even when we say like, oh, I'm a weightlifter, but I'm not a professional weightlifter. or I'm a runner, but I'm not a professional runner. We almost are we're downplaying the efforts that we put forth to get to where we are. One percent, like from, I'll, I'll speak from my perspective and then I'd like to hear you kind of flip it to your perspective is because I know the stats on running. You probably know some stats on the gym. And so one person, apparently 1% of the population of the world has run a marathon, right? It, it's a much lower percentage than that, even that have run an ultra marathon. So here I am two, two and a half years into my running journey. I've run, I've run, I think two or three marathons and I run my first ultra marathon and then I've run a couple more. And there are some people who have these kind of, you know, what is an ultra marathon? Technically speaking, an ultra marathon is anything longer than a marathon. What is a weightlifter? To me, technically, a weightlifter is anybody who goes to the gym or goes to their home gym and lifts weights. So I was um, out with a friend of mine. Uh, literally, it's funny. He, he's he's older, like he's a little older like me. He's fifty-one years old. He just won the Moab two hundred and forty-mile endurance race outright. Won it this this uh, just a few weeks ago. He and I were out volunteering together on a, on an ultra run. We were out picking up the flags and the markers they have for the course and whatnot. And I was sharing with him how I struggle to call myself an ultra runner. And he was like, you know, he goes, you every right. I think at this point I'd run like three. He said, you have every right to call yourself an ultra runner. He said, as a matter of fact, I think if you're training for an ultra marathon, you can call yourself an ultra runner. And so I think in that perspective, like a lot of people tend, that becomes a limiting belief. And this could talk about resiliency and mindset. I think we're often afraid to own what we are, what we're going after. The example of the writer, you said something magical and powerful happens when you decide I'm going to do this because it's important to me for whatever reason and you identify as it. And so it's that identification of I'm a weightlifter, I'm a writer, I'm an ultra runner that actually I think will fuel you through some of the mundane times that you're going to hit, like those days when, when you miss a day, how about that? You miss one of those days and you're like, okay, why am I going back to the gym? I already missed a day. No, 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 because I'm a weightlifter or why am I going to run now? I missed a day because I'm a runner. So yeah. I think that mindset identification really helps propel you forward towards your goals. For sure. And I um, would love to hear your thoughts on, I feel like, so there's like a critical moment, right? Where like we get up every day and we have this thing that we want to do. And there's that moment where you have to like make that decision that you're going to get up and you're going to do it. And it's like, and I, that's the best way I can explain it. And like every day, like going, like, especially on bad days where I might be stressed out or emotional or depressed or whatever, um, it's very easy for me to just like fall into old habits and like not go, you know, sink into that. What would be your advice for overcoming that moment and just kind of like not letting it? Cause I think that moment is what holds a lot of people back. Cause it is so easy to just like go back to old habits or just not do the thing that you're trying to do consistently. So I'm just going to let you take over because now I'm rambling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny because um, I don't know if, uh, so Tony Albrecht, I don't know if you're, I know you're connected yes. with him and I saw your, so he, he and his, a couple of uh, his colleagues started a program called Unrationed and, and I'm a member of that group now. And we just went to the Colorado mountains and the goal was as a collective group of 12 guys to run 480 miles in 48 hours. Wow. Um, we ended up blowing that out of the water kind of because of the aspect of, of what you're talking about here now. And, and I bring that up because you probably heard like there's a lot of poo-pooing on motivation. And, and I think motivation is wonderful and great if you can get it where you can. It's really hard to count on internal motivation all the time. But if you can set up some some 
checks and balances where you can have friends or other things that help push that motivation when it's not there. But what was coming to mind where I wanted to start with, like motivation is one way, but you can't rely on it all the time. We, we had, um, I, I think we started on Friday afternoon and we went through Friday evening and then all day Saturday and we were going to uh, Sunday at noon. And I had woken up on Sunday morning and somebody else had run more miles than me because they stayed up later in the evening and they, they surpassed me. Um, and it was funny, like I woke up kind of thinking like ah, I'd hit, I said I was going to run 50 to 75 miles. I got to 56. Somebody was at 60. And, and so I was like, ah, you know, I went to bed thinking, you know, I'm just tired and, you know, maybe I just maybe I'm good enough. Right. Like I got the 50 that I had talked about. And so I woke up in the morning and I'm kind of getting ready and everybody's kind of like slow and tired that day. And I had like this little moment where a spark of energy, which what I would call like motivation. And I, this, and this is one way you can do this. I felt that moment and I like just seized it immediately. And I thought to myself, this is going to be fleeting. If I, you know, if I kind of, if I kind of slow play this, it's going to go away. Here it is. And I literally just shifted right into gear and said, go put my running shorts on, put my running shoes on, and I'm going out the door. And, and, and here's where it can be contagious, where I talked about the motivation using other people as guides and you know maybe uh, sort of accountability partners for you. Um, if you have a partner that you go to the gym with or whatnot, and you have a plan, maybe you don't even have to be running on the same day together, or I mean, sorry, or, or working out on the same day. But if they're texting you as a help, like, hey, I can't, I can't go to the gym on Wednesdays because I have this thing with work, but I know you go Wednesdays, I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm texting you and going, and, hey, have you left for the gym already? That's kind of how you can kind of reinforce that motivation. But so I took that glimmer knowing that that motivation wouldn't last. And I just grabbed it right away, ran out the door and started running. And then lo and behold, everybody started running as well, too. They were like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, so if you can, oh you can God. be that spark. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't always count on that. So the other thing you could do. So that's number one. You can see the motivation when it is there and, and capitalize on it. But you can't always count on that. So number two is what I would say kind of, you know, building on that is and we all hear about this, but try to re try to remove the blocks in terms of like getting everything ready the night before so that like in that moment, I knew where my shoes were. I knew where my shorts were. I like lay it all out, let your gym close out, be ready, have a plan of action so that when you get up, it's just, it's just one or two less things that you think about. So if you're not feeling like going and then you haven't picked out which, and, and listen, this would be simple as like, Hey, I have three pairs of gym outfits that I use and you know, I put them on top of the dresser instead of leaving them in the drawer. So I see them when I wake up. So it's just kind of, so that that's the second thing is removing as many blocks as you can by making it as easy as you can to get into uniform, to get into that role that you know is indicative of you. You are a weightlifter. So that, that takes that block away. The third thing that I believe, and I think is really probably the most important is, is the discipline combined with, the identification of who that is you know they say the i'm sure you've heard this right like the, the heaviest the heaviest weight in the gym is the front door yes. right and so <laughs> becoming that kind of person that goes in that moment reminding yourself as i said it's don't say i'm not a professional weightlifter say i am a weightlifter it makes me feel good when I go do this. I'm going to do this. I don't feel like doing it now, but this is my scheduled day. And so I believe that the discipline also comes from, I tell people, have a plan on what days and what times you're going to do the activity it is you're going to do. And this could be writing. This can be people who are learning a new skill, starting a business, whatever it is. If you set aside that time and you put it in your calendar and you know that is the day and the time that you go, you might procrastinate up until the very last minute that you are supposed to go, but you become that kind of person because you're like, I put it in the calendar now, I've slotted out this time on Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to go to the gym. I'm not feeling like it, but that is just something inside me trying to hold me back from being better. It's trying to pull you back into that comfort zone and trying to pull you back into that easy life you know, and you are, that's not you, you are a weightlifter or you're a writer and I'm going to head out of the house. And, and then you combine that with the other couple of things, taking those, those barriers away. Um, and that will get you there. And look, 
at the end of the day, some days you're sick, right? Like some days, yeah. literally, if you're, you know, and, and look, there are certain people, and I'm a big advocate of this. And I know a lot of people, uh, my family included, think I'm a little nuts. Um, <laughs> I, I have run during, I've run through sicknesses. Um, mm-hmm. It is, there have been very few times when I don't run when I'm supposed to run, but I have had some because I know for me that it is very like, I'll make the analogy back to drinking. I tend to be all in even if that all in is all out, if that makes sense. So when I don't do something, it can become a habit just as much as if I do something. And so I feel like reinforcing and building that habit and that identification with you are a weightlifter. It is what you do and just push yourself out that door to go to the gym and pick up that first, that first weight, start that first set. And you you know, you know, you'll feel better at the end of the day. Like, right. Yeah. And that's um, something I'll tell myself in those moments. It's like, what would future me be very grateful for current me to do and get done right now? Um, And I feel like the more you kind of exercise that muscle, like the stronger it gets. So it's like, you don't have to like push that hard to just go. Um, It just kind of like the more you do it. So, and going back to the, um, the saying, the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door, (laughs) which I love because that feels very accurate a lot of the time. Uh, But that's usually like the most accurate. I feel like on your first trip to the gym or in your case, like that first run, I know that they say like the first mile is always the worst. Is that true? Uh, you, you know, it's, or they say that, or they say the first mile lies and I, yes, it, it is the hardest because it is the one where you're just trying to get the body to warm up, yeah. you know, and that first mile, your body doesn't feel like going. And, and I'll just share as, as you get older, I'll just tell people it doesn't get easier. So start sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably now for me, probably the first two to three miles, just depending upon the day and the weather, um, are just what I would call like they're like sluggish. I'm like waiting for the car to warm up and like, you know, you get in the car, you turn it on, the heat doesn't really work at the beginning because the engine hasn't warmed up. It's, it's for me, it's anywhere from one to three miles. It just depends on the day and how I'm feeling, particularly in training, right? Here's what's funny. When you show up for a race, it's a completely different mindset because the adrenaline is pumping the, the, the anxiety, everything in the fervor of the energy, but on just a mundane old Saturday morning where I got to go run 20 miles. Cause I'm training for my next, you know, hundred K uh, those first one to three miles can be a little tough. So with that, what I would say, what I found has made it much more enjoyable. It's, it's kind of funny. It's accountability and enjoyability. Find people to do it with when you can, right? We all have our own schedules or whatnot, but I've joined. Um, so back to the journey. Like, so the reason I started running for my sobriety was that I'm not a 12 step program kind of guy. Um, I don't have any problems with them. It just, it just wasn't the mechanism that I wanted to utilize to, for my sobriety. I wanted to, to kind of do it more sort of, I'm going to do this on my own, forge my own path and resilience and toughness and whatnot. And, and I decided um, after about a year and a half, two years of running, mostly by myself, that I wanted some community. And so I went out and found some running groups and running uh, organizations to be a part of. And so now what I tend to have is I usually have groups that I'm meeting at certain points in time to run. Um, I mentor a trail running group right now where I meet with them Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And I have like another discord group that I'm a part of where we're local runners. And so when, when you're feeling that sort of like, eh, one, if you have people you're going to meet, there's a little accountability, right? They are expecting to see me. If I don't show up, Mark is going to say, what happened to you, Mike? Right? Like you just, you, you know, you bailed. Um, sometimes that one other person, when it's just you and one other person, the stakes are even higher, right? Because if you don't yeah. show up, they're going to be on their own. And then yes. you really feel, I can't let so-and-so down. Um, but then, and then when you get there, those first few miles, would they be sluggish? Now they're with people. And they're with other people, you know, so for you, it's if you have if you have a gym, you know, you have a gym partner or something, you know, or whatnot um, for the writing thing. I, I'm going to keep going back because I love that story that you said about that, because yeah. my daughter has dyslexia and she loves books and loves reading and writing. Um, she's found different mechanisms and ways to, to work around that. Um, but I think in that respect, you know, if it's something like that, where you're like, it's kind of a solo thing, we'll then have touch points with people before or after, you know, like maybe it's they have book clubs or writing groups or whatnot, where you're, you're, you're building well, that accountability and that energy when you do it with other people who are on that same journey or excited about that same activity as you are. 
For sure. I love accountability partners. I, there are some weeks uh, where I'll text my, my friend Amanda and I'll be like, okay, this is going to be a rough week. I don't want to do any of the things on my to-do list. So I'm going to send it <laughs> to you and check in with me on this day. And by Sunday, I want to get, I want to get everything done. Um, and usually when I do that, unless something like changes one of the to-do list, like items, I get everything done. Um, and they're actually making us, I'm currently in law school and we're about to go into bar study because we're on an expedited program. And they, one of the things that they recommend is to get an accountability partner. Um, so someone who can text you every day and say, did you hit your study goals for the day? And if you didn't, why not? And I feel yep. like asking that question, why almost makes that even more important because you don't want to have to say, oh, I sat and watched Netflix all day long, you know? So you, if you're going to not hit your goal, you better have a good reason for not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, though, is like, you're, you're going to have those down weeks. So I try to always remind people as well too, is when, when your answer to that question honestly is, Hey, I just slacked off, own yeah. it and right. go, but that's not the person my future self wants me to be. So I'm going to, I'm going to recalibrate and, and re-engage my tasks and my goals and get back after it again. So you don't like, comes back a whole thing about like people who quit drinking, but then fall off the wagon. They, they tend to not get back on and it gets really bad because that guilt and that shame of not being able to say, you know what? I screwed up. I drank last weekend, but like, that's not who I want to be. So I'm gonna get right back after it. And I find the sooner you push that guilt aside and re-engage the person you're trying to be, the easier it is, you know? Yeah. So it's like this thing about, you know, I've had times in my life where, you know, maybe I had a, a like interesting family dynamics and, or a friend, if you have a friend, they have a falling out with the longer you go before you re-engage and, and reassess that relationship, the harder it can get. The longer you go before you jump back on and the, the harder it is to get back on there. So I can't emphasize enough to people is that, look, you're not going to be perfect. And when you're not perfect, own it. Own it without guilt. Own it with honesty and say, but that's not who I want to be. So let's go right back to what we were doing and the plan we had that we let go so we can focus on becoming that person our future self would be proud of. And that makes me think back to like resilience, right? Because when life, when life knocks you down to me, resilience is being able to kind of get back up, keep going, um, like learn from that and move on. So I would love to hear your thoughts on what kind of drew you to this idea of resiliency and I guess what you've learned in your life so far on that subject. Yeah. So I think, I think for me, so like I'm a, I'm a big believer in the laws of attraction but I'm not so of the men's. And, and I think a lot of people who aren't think this, oh, you just think if you believe this, it'll happen. No, 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 no. You work towards it. But I believe that if I work towards something and I put the effort towards it, that it will come to pass. And for me, I think that's sort of where the mental resiliency comes from is I believe that if I put in the work, I put a plan together, I have a goal and I put a plan to achieve that goal, break those steps down. If I do this each day, each week, each month, that I will get to that place. And what I said is I'm, I'm also, I don't like to call myself a realist because I believe that pessimists call themselves realists when they don't want to call themselves pessimists. <laughs> but, but I am realistic in the understanding of that we are going to have bad days and off days. And so the real resiliency comes from when you acknowledge that, but the understanding of who you are defining yourself as, who you say you want your future self to be is so much more important than falling off and staying off track. You will fall off track. Hey, look, you'll have failures, right? Like you'll have other setbacks. You're going to have days at the gym where you even go to the gym, but for some reason you walk away going, man, I feel like I'm lifting less or having a harder time lifting what I lifted a, a week or a month ago. The resilience comes from saying that is normal. That will happen. That will occur. But if I stay the course, I will get where I'm going. Um, it's not just this sort of like linear path to from point A to point B or C or D, it is, you know, there's ups and there's downs. The resiliency comes from knowing that looking at it over a little bit longer of a time period, if I keep showing up 
to the plan. And I'm, I'm coaching someone right now where I talked to him. I said, like, hey, you know what you're trying to achieve. You know the goal that you're going after. And you're going to have some, some good days and some bad days. I said, but what you do is you set up guide rails for yourself, be it a plan, be it limiting factors. Like with, with this individual I'm coaching, he has certain things that he does where it's if this, then this kind of, you know. And, and so I'm like, it's okay for us to strategically change the if-then statement of your life. It's not okay to basically just break the promises you've made to yourself in the moment because you are not feeling good. So that's another thing I would remind people when you're feeling sort of lower energy or you're feeling like giving in is to remind yourself you've made a promise to yourself to go be the person that goes to the gym um, what we're trying to do here is, in my opinion, is minimize the number of times that we allow our internal weaknesses or our internal comfort to pull us away from our goal. Mm. Not to say it's never going to happen, but try to minimize that. You're making a promise to yourself and a commitment to yourself. And think about it, if you can't keep a promise to yourself, you become an untrustworthy person in general. And yeah. so remind yourself of that. I've committed to this. Um, and yeah, for sure, good story. So I have been very fortunate in, and I think I lost track. I think I've run, I, I could add them up, but I've run, I've run 250 miles and I've run 200 Ks now. And in the last hundred K that I ran, it was probably one of my worst races ever. Um, I just, I was off that day. Um, I wasn't fueling properly and I literally wanted to quit. I had, I had an accountability partner who was going to be my pacer who showed up for me and was de determined because he knew me, he's not going to let me quit. And at one point in time, I was so adamant to him that I was not going to go back out and run because it was three loops. So I had to come back to the beginning two times. Um, and the first time he, he, he was, he was not allowed to run with me until the, the last loop. So when I came back for the right before leaving for the second loop, he could not get me to get out of the mindset. I was in a really dark place, very, very dark place. Um, I had fallen, I had gotten a really bad cramp and I was convinced that my day was done. And so he knew that some other friends of mine were there and they were, um, they were helping and supporting another runner, another friend of ours. And he went over and got reinforcements. He went over and got another friend to come over and to talk to me about. And first what he did was he started with like, where are you at? Where's your headspace? What have you been doing what's been your plan kind of like an assessment of like physically what's going on with you okay let's see if we can adjust some things physically to help you physically feel better and then i finally looked at this guy his name is um uh, jesse um he's actually the guy who won the moab 240 a few weeks after this race and i looked at him and i said why do we do this because i was in such a dark place right and people will get there why am i going to the gym four days a week like what is the purpose of this and i looked at him, i said jesse why do we do this to ourselves? And he looked at me and he said, Mike, we do this for tomorrow. Mm. He said, we do this for how we're going to feel about ourselves tomorrow for rising to this challenge and, uh, and pushing through no matter how hard it was. Probably one of the worst races of my life. I just barely finished in the nick of time for what I had shown up to do. I would not have done it if those people were not there to push me. But at the end of the day, I look back and I, po I put a big post, a good post about it up on, on LinkedIn. There's a picture of me sitting on the bench with my head between my legs. And it, it just, it's that, that moment of darkness and despair. I look back on that now and go, wow, I came through that. Like I was able to come that honestly, even though that will go down, hopefully as one of the worst performance races of my career, that will probably be one of the most motivating and uplifting stories internally for me to remember that even when it gets that bad, that if I have the right people around me and I have the right mindset and I can push through and do amazing things, even when I feel like I can't. Well, I, that's a very powerful story. Like I, and I love that. Cause like the, the thought of like this darkness. And when you said, why, like, why am I doing this? What's the point? I can't tell you how many times I've woken up and I like the last thing I want to do is like get out of bed and like be a productive citizen. And it's usually because that question is like swirling around in my brain um, and not in a healthy way. Um, and so <laughs> I, um, looking back on moments where I've had like dark seasons like that, it's 
those were not great seasons, but those were like the seasons of my life where I realized like, wow, okay, I am stronger than I give myself credit for. Um, and I also feel like it reinforces the importance of having a, a really good why. Um, like when it comes to working out, just since that's what we're discussing right now, um, I saw a tweet or something where someone was saying, you don't just work out to like look good in the mirror. You work out so that way, like in 25 years, you can pick up your grandchildren off of the floor. It was like something along the lines of that. And I was like, yes. wow, more people need to have that mindset. Cause I think if that was their why you would see a lot more people in the gym or out running or walking or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's, as, as you were saying, I was thinking is um, that's a tough one um, to work, to get that personal why, because I, I believe that unless you're, you know, unless your goal is, I mean, even, even the, the biggest of the, you know, the most biggest bodybuilders or whatnot, yeah. you eventually get to a point where you're maintaining, right? Like at some point, whatever your goals are, you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm here and I've put on 10 pounds of muscles and this is what I want to be at. But you got to find a pattern to maintain that. If it's to be, you know, like a, you know, a champion and go compete into something, you, you'll get to a point. And, and, and I don't know, we'll see if I get there and running, like, but I do believe eventually I'm going to get to a place in running, whether it's running the Moab 240, which is on my bucket list. Um, you, you eventually get to this place where you're like, I'm just maintaining. And so that I love that story is like, from a weightlifting or a working out perspective, what is that? Why? What is sometimes I think we can have a hard time because when we get to that maintenance stage of things, it can get a little mundane. Yeah. And having those whys, why am I doing this for maintenance? And I think sometimes it's understanding like if I stop doing this, then it's it, you don't maintain by stopping. You know, you don't kind of like you don't get to this finish line, you're there, and all of a sudden your body's great and it's going to be that way for that. You have to keep working at it. And so reminding yourself, number one, that if you stop, you're going to go backwards. And even though it's maintaining, main, you're maintaining is, and I, I'm going to think about this because I think as we age from a health perspective, as we age, it, it looks like maintenance, but it's really not right? Because yeah. as we get older, our body does tend to sort of break down a little bit. So what we're doing is we're, 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 we're battling the effects of aging that are going to happen to the people who don't do what we're doing, that don't eat healthy, that don't continue to work out. But it can in the moment seem very mundane because you're like, ah, I'm just I'm just maintaining. But the why I love that the why is so whether it's my kids or my grandkids um, or just generally like I just want to feel good. And yeah. I know that in 10 years from now, when I'm a little older than I am now, if I'm not caring for my body and maintaining my body today, I'm going to feel a lot worse in 10 years than I possibly could. And, and maybe I can stave, stave off that aging a little bit by maintaining a level of fitness now today. And, and I think if you, you put those little whys in place and have them as reminders. If it's your little checklist of reminders, it's your list of whys. Here's the top three reasons why I do this. Law school, like same thing, similar thing. You can translate this into non, you know, physical activities. Like, why are you, you, you said it's, you're in a, I think you said it's an accelerated program. You're in bar study right now. You're going to probably have plenty of times and nights where you're just like, gosh, this is, why am I doing this again? Why am I reading this again? There's a why, right? Like you have a why for what type of lawyer you want to become and why you want to become that type of lawyer and always remembering, you know, that and that will help. I think that's that's one of the good things to kind of fuel the resilience because I believe the resilience is there. I literally believe that the, the reason motivation doesn't work and the things that chip away at our resilience are those, the comforts that we ah oh, well this is easier and look it's harder today than it's ever been you mentioned netflix you got netflix you've got you've got youtube you've got tiktok you've got whatever um those are always all chipping at our time and trying to take time away from us so that's what i go back to is set up a plan make a promise of a plan to yourself calendar whatever you can so it is on your calendar so it is not a hey even i work out like Monday, Wednesday, or I run Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sundays, it's on the calendar. And I literally will be so adamant about it where if I reschedule it because I'm running with a different group or something like that, I'll move it on the calendar. Like if I'm normally going to run in the morning, but I want to go run with the, you know, my buddy Mark and he's running in the afternoon, I'll go in. If I make that plan with him, that's okay. Like I was telling that, that client of mine where I said, Hey, it's okay to change your plan if it's strategic. So, Hey, I've made the strategic decision that I'm going to go run with Mark this week 
So I'm going to move that from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. on the calendar so that there it is. I'm looking at it. We all like, right? We all have the phone. And so I like live by that calendar. So I think that's a that's a great point that you um, that you brought up. Yeah. And hearing you talk about like the strategic movement of of our goals and plans makes me think of when you mentioned like being a trustworthy person in yourself, like like you're going to do what you said you were going to do. And at one point in time, I was doing the 75 hard challenge. Have you heard of that? Yeah. I, so I love Andy Frazella. Uh, and I was able to do it once. I haven't been able to do, <laughs> to do it again since. Um, but what I love about that challenge and like why he started it is it wasn't about trying to gain or lose weight. It was literally about mental resilience. Like I said, I'm going to do this today, so I'm going to get it done. And yes. I did that challenge before law school. And I feel like I I mean, people don't have to do that to prepare for law school, but I think if you can sit down and say, I'm going to challenge myself to do something that's, you know, out of my comfort zone and I'm going to make sure that I do it every day. That is like a great way. I feel like to build up mental resilience and build up confidence in yourself because you have like evidence proving that you've done what you said you were going to do. And if you've done it in the past, you can do it again, just in a different environment. Um, So I like this idea of like being able to like trust yourself and, you know, get done what you say you're going to do. I feel like it's very powerful to keep in mind. Yeah. And I think that going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about, you know, if, you know, the people who don't believe in manifesting, like, and I said, I I believe in manifestation, but you put in the work, right? So what you're saying there is, you, you're proving to yourself that you can do and keep these commitments that you've made to yourself. So now apply that to whatever law school or I want to run a hundred mile race or um, hey, I'm going to go start a business, whatever that is for you. Hey, I want to start writing books, even though I'm dyslexic. If you've done that, you know, you're the type of person that can keep those commitments to yourself. You can make them and keep them. So now what you've done is you said, hey, I'm going to manifest because I'm going to set a goal. I want to do this. And I know I have the ability to put in the work to make it happen because you can translate, in my opinion, that 75 hard to anything, right? You can say, hey, I want to whatever. I'm going to study. Here's a good. You could start your own 75 hard with studying for the bar. Right. And say, hey, what do I think is, you know, and I'll I'll just start. You would know better than me. But like, um, is it an hour a day, two hours or three hours a day? And you could say, I'm going to, for the next 75 days straight, I'm going to do this in preparation for taking the bar exam because my goal is to pass the bar exam on the first time. And I don't know, I'm sure there's a high rate of failure, like, right? And the most people take the bar a couple of times, right? Two or yeah, three it, times. It, so, it definitely depends on the state. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're in, are you in Delaware? Where are you? I'm in North Carolina, but okay. so there's um, the UBE, a lot of states do the uniform bar exam. And then there's a okay. handful of states that have their own. Okay. So I don't know how hard is, uh, relatively speaking, I don't know if the, the North Carolina bar or the UBE is pretty tough, huh? I would imagine it yes. trying to be- it's hard all around. I know the hardest has been like historically from what I've heard is like California, New York, and Virginia. Um, California I've heard is like the hardest, um, but I'm <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> yeah. They also have like a different, preparation. So I think people, um, this is what Kim Kardashian is doing. I think like, you don't have to necessarily go to law school. You can do like an apprenticeship. Um, and so you have some people taking the bar who maybe didn't have professors saying, this is what you're going to do on the bar exam. So they're very self-taught along with their apprenticeship apprenticeship. So I don't know there's a lot of other mitigating factors that go into that, but right. But, but, but like back to the whole thing, you can put a plan in place and say, Hey, I want to, I want to prepare myself to try to, I want to pass this bar the first time. So what can I do to do that? I'm going to do something different than what maybe everybody else does. And you can apply that 75 hard technique to, to that process and say, I'm going to do this every day for the next 75 days, or just even say like, Hey, I, I want to, here's 75 days and I want to finish like a day or two or three before the exam, whatever that maybe you think you have that sort of little rest period and go, so okay for that 75 day window leading up to taking the test, this is what I'm going to do. And that's just like, um, you know, for, for a race, for anything you train, like if you're training for an event, whether it's, you know, a CrossFit challenge or a Spartan race, 
or, you know, like in my case, like an ultra marathon, there is this window. We, we work toward that goal that day and here's race day. And we typically have what we call race week. Most races are on Saturday. So from the Sunday before to the Saturday before you're kind of, you get into that maintenance window, like, right. Like you're, you're letting, and then the week before that, even there's what's called like a kind of a taper week where you're sort of going from the peak of your training and you kind of taper down to the race week, which race week is just kind of like, now we're going to maintain so you have this window of time, depending upon where your current level of skills, knowledge, or fitness is, what is the next level you're going to take that to? And for you, in, in your case, like the bar exam is a bigger next level educationally for you, right? So it's just kind of like you're going to build up to this crescendo. You may want to have like a few days before. You might not want a 75 hard right up to the day before the bar, right? And and that's how I think a, a training and like, you know, weightlifters too, right? Like you have that kind of that cut period as you get like, so you, you kind of build this strategy that says, Hey, here's my goal. And, and this will be a good time for me to say, like, I also think in, in life that particularly as I make the analogy to running, I had a, I used to, I used to mountain bike before I got into running and I had a coach uh, with a group program that I was in for mountain biking. And we would do these programs where we would run up to this, this event. Right. Um, and what my coach said one day is he said, we don't race to race. He said, we race. So we train. And, and, and in his mindset, like setting that goal out there of like this race or this event wow, we were going to yeah. do puts you and kind of go back into that whole, like, how do you lay the 75 hard, put a plan in place, that goal, you'll get there. You will get there. I believe if you manifest and you put the work in, you will get there. But it's more about creating that consistency because I would not have been able to go from wanting to run a half marathon four and a half years ago to deciding that wasn't big enough. So I'm going to go run my first marathon and then building from that and going from running my first marathon in October of 2019 to now having run, you know, 200 Ks and starting to train for a hundred miler. Um, I would not have achieved that had I not put those goals in front of me, knowing that the importance was really about becoming that type of person that runs four days a week, right? Like they talk about, um, I think it was Seth Godin who said, um, you know, it's, it's uh, becoming fit and is not the hard part. Becoming the type of person who goes to the gym every day or five days a week or whatever, that's the hard part. And so I feel like having those goals out there that we work towards and then the work that we do in preparation, that's the discipline that feeds the resilient mindset and you start to embody that this is who I am. I am. And, and I'll say, if you had told me five years ago, I was going to be a kind of person who wanted to train for a hundred mile. I said, you're crazy. Like I hate running. Like, why would I do that? But I had a reason for it. Like in my initial reason was just to find a physical manifestation of the outlet I needed to stay sober. And that was goal one. And when I achieved that, I was like, all right, let's, let's have another goal. Okay. And let's keep, and, and slowly over time, I became the kind of person who then, and as I mentioned, when that, when, when Jesse said to me, you definitely are an ultra runner. Like I was three ultra, ultra marathons in, and he's like, absolutely you are. I almost didn't even realize I had become the person that I was training and building a plan to become because it just becomes second nature. And I think that's where that combination of, discipline and resilience changes people's lives in my opinion for the better if you're if you're doing something that you're passionate about yeah that honestly just blew my mind thinking of like the the goal we set the goal to do the training not the other way around yes i'm going to be thinking about that like every <laughs> like next year because that no one's ever mentioned it that way uh but it makes complete sense like you do set the goal because it makes you do the work and the work turns you into the person you're working to become you don't like no one's gonna win an oscar overnight or a nobel peace prize overnight like there's a lot of work that goes up to that so i really love that yeah yeah and so like for the bar do you schedule your bar exam yes yeah, so we um we are doing like a pre-bar prep prep right now <laughs> um <laughs> but uh i am taking it in february so i will be starting my like official study schedule right after graduation like the first week second week in december okay oh so look at that that's almost 75 days <laughs> i know as we were talking about it i was like wow that really is like <laughs> that's i should message andy Prezella and be like you need to come up with a 75 <laughs> hard bar <laughs> bar prep 
wait a second. He, no, you can come up with that. Why don't you build that? Would uh, what a great post that would be for you that to come up with. Cool. Like, hey, how I how I translated the seventy five hard philosophy into preparing for the bar exam, mm -hmm. and and I would say to you is there needs to be that physical aspect of it. Yeah. And, and maybe it's even 75 harder. And why do I say that? Maybe what it is, is think about this. What if you did 75 hard, but you added that component of your studying as a part of it? That's where the harder comes in, right? Yeah. Whatever that may be. And for this 75 day window, I'm going to do 75 hard. Plus I've got to do this. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of do a little tracking of your journey because there's, <laughs> you, so here's another thing. A lot of people, I think you'll see them. And, and, and I don't think people realize this. A lot of the posting that I do is almost in a sense, a little self accountability, right? So like, you know, you're active online, you got a great community that you're building. You say, Hey, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to check in once a week and let you know how it went. And so you can build in a little self accountability beyond the friends in school or whatnot that says, Hey, every week I got to publicly get on and say how I did. And I would say this, if you've already done 75 hard, knowing how difficult that is, you could do this. You could build this goal and this plan for yourself. Make that promise to yourself and you'll feel better physically. And, and like all the studies that show mental just from the working out portion of things, like when you what's the new study to say when you're lifting, when you constrict your muscles, you release mitosin or uh, mitosins yeah. that like the dopamines and all that stuff. So I think it goes hand in hand with the mental mindset that you need for that level of studying. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm looking forward to the 75 harder. <laughs> I don't. So I actually just tried to do 75 hard again earlier this fall. And I had a really rough week at school. And I was like, all I want is a Guinness and some peace. And I like, I, I owned it. I was like, I'm quitting. I like, I, I, so I don't know if I could handle it with bar prep, but I do like the idea <laughs> of modifying it. Yep. And, <laughs> and you like, could do that as well too. Yeah. Um, and making it a little bit more attainable around bar study, but that is, I'm going to have to think on that. That's a really good, good idea. Um, I could honestly keep asking you questions all day, but I did just to wrap things up. What's yeah. been like the biggest lesson or piece of advice, although you've given great advice this whole time, uh, but what's like the biggest lesson or piece of advice on resilience you've learned from ultra marathon running and just your experiences so far that you would give to people? Yeah, I would say, you know, we've, we've all heard, or a lot of us have heard like, David Goggins talks about the 40% philosophy. And just to be honest, I literally not till not too long ago, I believed he just made that number up like, cause he <laughs> never really referenced any sort of study or anything like that. But, you know, he says when you've reached the point where you think you've got no more that you've only given 40% of what you have. And I was like, what a weird number that is. That must just be a David Goggins, like is a made up thing. But then um, uh, Jesse Itzler, who I think he did that 30 days with Goggins thing at one point in time, mm -hmm. he, I just saw a post by him recently where he actually, he, he termed it in the 60% that there were studies that were done and I don't know how they quantified it, but he said that in these studies, they figured out that when most people got to the point where they thought they had given all that they could give, that they had 60, he is a six, he's like, they had 60% more left to give. And mm -hmm. so, and, and, and it's, have you heard of the study of the rats in the water where they swim? And so, so they put these rats in, in water uh, in a bucket where they can't get out and they're, they're all treading water. And I think that the longest rat that lived this is kind of a sad thing. Cause they, they the rats died um, that 15, 15 minutes or so that, that mm -hmm. they died. Um, but then they, they did the experiment again. And what they did was right about when the rats started to sink and they were going to drown, they took them out, they dried them off. And they let them rest for a little bit. And then I forget the time of how long they let them rest. Then they put them back in the water. And I think, and I'll probably quote this wrong, but they, I want to say it was something like 72 hours. Like, so the first round, 15 minutes, that's all they could, then it was 72 hours. And they were saying that what they attributed it to was the mindset of like, they knew that there was the possibility of being saved. So it built within them that I'm going to keep going because I know I'm going to be saved. And so from a resiliency standpoint, I'll go back to when I finished that race, that was the hardest race that I've done. When I was, I thought 
halfway through the race at 31 miles of a 62 mile race, 63 mile race, I thought I had nothing left. Mm -hmm. My friends pushed me out of the start finish line to go and go again. I got, I took a wrong turn with another buddy. I added three miles of distance that I didn't need to add. I finished that loop and still thought I was going to not make it. Then my buddy said, we're going to go. And I said, I don't even think we'll make the time cut off. Let's just go. He said, we're not going to quit until they pull us off this course. We'll just walk. We will just walk. We'll keep moving forward. It's a race, but we can just one foot in front of the other. So we go out. And as we start to do the last loop, the last 18 miles, I start to realize that I'm going to make the time cutoff for the race. Now, I was also using this race as a qualifying race for the 100-mile race that I would like to be my first 100-mile race, the Western States Endurance Run in June of 2024. The cutoff for that, though, was two hours shorter than the cutoff of the overall race because they have standards to, to, to qualify for this. So I was like, oh, well, I'm going to make the race, but I don't think I'll qualify. As we got to the the, the basically six miles left to go, I start to realize that there is a very slim chance that I can win or that I can make the cutoff for this race, that I can actually come in under 17 hours. With one mile left to go, I asked my pacer and friend Patrick what time it was, and he said it was 11.16. The cutoff was 11.30 at night. If I finished before 11.30 at night, I qualified for the race that I went there to. And that was my goal. My goal was to go there to qualify for this race. We had been running 15 to 15 and a half minute miles. And it's very, there's a hard and fast. It's you, you do or you don't. And I thought to myself, if I keep doing what I've been doing, and I've been saying this is all I have, I will not make it because I had 14 minutes and we had been running consistently for the last 17 miles, 15 to 15 and a half minute miles. The minute he said that to me, my brain immediately, I'm good at math. I clocked it and I was like, oh, I'm off by a minute and a half. I literally started jogging like out of nowhere. Like I started jogging and my friend looked at me, Patrick, and he goes, oh, he, it took him a minute to realize what I was doing. So where's the advice for the resiliency and that whole story of like, anyway, I finished that mile in 11 minutes and I'm going to say like 18 seconds. I, I qualified with about two minutes and 55 seconds left to go. Wow. I was the last person in that race to qualify. And so was it, was it like this amazing? No, like, but I made it right. The resiliency from that is, and all of that, the 40% when you, th you've only used 40% when you think you have nothing more to give. If you keep putting one foot in front of the other, if you have a goal, my goal is to qualify for the Western States, whatever that goal is that you're going after. When you tell yourself, I'm just going to keep moving towards that goal. You might get there a little late but you will get there. It's the manifestation with the work, right? And what I would say is even when the motivation's not there or it's hard to even manifest, like I went out for that going, the math doesn't add up, but I kept just, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. We had made a decision that I was not going to stop until the race said you're over time or whatever the case may be amazing things will happen. And that's resiliency to say, like, I'm not sure the outcome is going to be what I asked for, what I wanted, what I hoped for, but I'm going to keep going until I literally cannot go anymore. And remind yourself, when you think you can't go anymore, you always have a little bit more in you. You might have to pace yourself a little. If you're feeling sick one day and you don't feel like going to the gym, you know what? Go to the gym and do a lighter workout. You know, do, do ease up on it a little bit. If you're tired and you don't feel like studying anymore, you know, plan yourself. Like, you know, I'll do, I love this Ed Milet. If you're an Andy Frizzella guy, you're probably an Ed Milet person too. All right, I'll, I'll do one more page and then I'll take a nap or, or sleep or recover or whatnot. It is amazing what you can achieve. Resiliency is literally just taking one more step toward your goal, whether it's running or weightlifting or reading one more page of studying. And if you can give yourself just that one more, I truly believe that is you tell yourself that I have more in me than I think, and you will get to your goal eventually in due time, just by putting one foot in front of the other. I love that. This is a very powerful conversation. I will be sending this to all of my law, my law school friends, because I think we could all hear it <laughs> before going into <laughs> bar study, but thank you so much for your time, Mike. This was a fun conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And there you have it, my discussion with Mike DiGiovanni, the mindset warrior and ultra marathon runner. Uh, what did you guys think? I loved this episode when I, you know, logged off of Zoom after speaking with Mike. Um, I was ready to go to the gym. I felt so 
you know, just motivated. Um, I feel like his perspective on discipline and motivation is very refreshing and it kind of takes, and this was a part of the inspiration that I had for this episode was, you know, when you're on social media, I feel like you kind of start seeing the same themes from fitness influencers and, you know, you hear about discipline and motivation a lot of the time. Uh, but when you get into the nitty gritty of it, it's not just, it's something you have to cultivate over time. And so I wanted someone on here who could speak to how do you work towards a goal such as being an ultra marathon runner or weightlifting, um, like especially in the realm of fitness, when you know that there are going to be days that are hard. There are going to be days where you don't want to get up and go, you don't, you know, maybe you're busy, you're tired, whatever, and maybe some days you do rest and you don't, you don't do anything towards that goal, that's perfectly fine. But then how do you get up and go the next day? And so that was why I wanted Mike uh, to speak on this subject. I hope you guys loved it and that you, once again, were able to walk away with some practical things you can try. Um, Again, if you love this content, please consider following me on Substack. That's where I publish my uh, weekly blog. And then this podcast is, of course, bi-weekly, which you can hear on Spotify and Apple, as well as my Substack. I write on Medium, um, and I also am active on Instagram. So give me a follow, comment, like, all the things that professional <laughs> influencers do these days, which I am not. Uh, but y'all know, y'all know the drill. I hope you have a great day and I hope you tune in next time.